Welcome to episode 109 of the Jackson Hole Connection. This episode's sponsor is Pru Real Estate. Should you have any questions about real estate in Jackson Hole, give Dan Vizoski or Greg Pru a call or visit Pru.com. That's P-R-U-G-H.com to search current listings. And recently I've spent some time thinking about some of my previous episodes. This week, I recommend listening to episode number 41 with Michael Coles. His story, which we can all learn from, is certainly timeless. Hello from Jackson Hole. I'm Stephan Abrams, your host and guide today. My goal here at the Jackson Hole Connection is to interview people with fascinating stories connected to Jackson Hole. Today's guest is Sarah Flintner. Sarah's a Wyoming native, University of Wyoming graduate, who moved to Jackson full-time in the 90s. Since her time here in Jackson Hole, Sarah has raised a family, served as mayor of our community, operated her own consulting business, and recently launched a nonprofit named Becoming Jackson Hole. Sarah shares with us resources and exercises we can all use in everyday practice. Whether related to personal mindfulness, understanding resilience, or practicing emotional intelligence, Sarah and her group at Becoming Jackson Hole have tools for each of us to live a fuller and more meaningful life. As Sarah says, we all have a huge impact on each other. Sarah, thank you for joining me here today at the Jackson Hole Connection. It's delightful to see you again and on this bright, sunny morning here in Jackson Hole. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure. And we definitely appreciate the sunny days in Jackson Hole. Yes, and they are kind of slipping away quite fast from us at this time of year. Yeah. But at least we get some beautiful foliage. That's right. Yeah. And maybe some quiet. Yes, and we can go hear the elk bugling and see them in rut around the parks and other areas of the community. I like that positive attitude showing up right away. So you're <laughs> setting the tone. I love that. We got to do each person has to do their part. That's so true. Yes. Actually, that's very wise. You're right. Sarah, let's start with who you are and your connection to Jackson Hole. Give give everybody a, an introduction to Sarah Flitner. Okay. Who am I? Well, I thought you were going to answer that for me today, and I'm disappointed that I'm going to have to struggle through and figure out who I am. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've been here uh, um, longer than I can, you know, I came during college. My college roommate grew up in Jackson. Her grandmother was Genevieve Van Vleck, so I just, I love the stories and the history. I feel like I'm writing on their coattails, the Rooks family, in terms of understanding just the richness of what has happened here before all of us came. That was, I guess I moved here permanently in about 1990. I was going to be here for a year and go to law school. I'm not a lawyer, but I love to say I'm a great skier. So that's how that worked out. (laughs) I have been um, raising my family. I have two sons who are college age it, it breaks my heart to say, because we were just talking about your school-age kids and what a fun place to raise a family. Uh, it's just the best place, especially for those boys, right? It is. And we rent our kids out for free anytime. Oh, yeah? We All do. right. Well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let's see. Do I have to pay and buy the wine, or do you buy the wine and I... We'll do, supply the yeah, Okay. Yeah. Well, that, afterwards. Okay. Afterwards. Yes. That's the reward. <laughs> Great. So that, yeah, I you know, I've had kind of a... Um, a varied 
past in terms of my work. I've had a consulting business that has happily kind of morphed with my interests over the years, but uh, I'm, I'm extraordinarily interested in problem solving and the ways that we can train our minds and our habits to become better, more empathetic, more effective problem solvers. We can obviously get into that more. Who else am I? Let's see. I grew up in northern Wyoming. I just visited my parents on the ranch I grew up on. Uh, That surprises a lot of people, which makes me laugh. They say, you don't look like you're from Wyoming. Right? I didn't know there was a look. I was thinking like when it first started happening, and it hasn't for a while, because I don't know. Maybe now I do. But I wonder what they meant. I have all my teeth. Uh, <laughs> I'm proudly from Wyoming. I think you're getting to Mississippi and Arkansas. Over yeah. There. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I there our state offers so much and needs so much right now. So. Um, what's the community you grew up in in northern Wyoming? Shell, Wyoming. Shell. And what's the population of Shell, Wyoming? Well, I think it's like a hundred now, but it was 50, I, you know, outside of Shell. I went to school in high school in Grable, which is about 2,000 people mm-hmm. east of Cody, about an hour. Um, so I get the rural uh, mindset and challenges and opportunities. I, I'm really interested in that uh, as, as I think about the flyover states and sort of what divides our country overall. Sometimes it's just that different policies and different ideas work better for different ways of life, which is not the same thing as saying I should demonize you and make you my enemy because I sell milk and you sell cattle or wine or whatever it is. So, you know, there's there's a lifetime of work there in terms of exploring how to be better uh, in conversation with one another. Mm-hmm. Well said. And growing up in, in Shell, Wyoming on this ranch... What was the distance between your house and your neighbor, your closest neighbor? Mm, well, we had a couple neighbors on the on the ranch, but uh, you know, not far. I mean, a mile. Okay. Or, and yeah, you had some isolation there on the ranch. I did. Yeah, I did. And what was it like growing up in that size of community? Well, you can imagine I had to recycle my prom date from year to year. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> and I did not go to prom with my cousin or my brother, or any of those jokes. Um, you know, it, I understand now how how different my experience was. I didn't know any differently, right? So um, when I went to college, uh, I went to Arizona first, and ultimately I came back and graduated from the University of Wyoming for a variety of reasons. But I started to realize like it was a little odd growing up on a ranch, um, even being from a small populous state, they would say, Wyoming, I've heard of that. What state is that in? Um, (laughs) But my experience honestly was really sweet. I was in the landscape a lot. It's the reason that I thrive and love Jackson so much because that connection to outside and solace and being comfortable with your own thoughts and your surroundings, you know, that's... I think baked in because I was a little kid in a big old landscape and that's an imprint I think I benefit from today. But, it, you know, it was a lot of fun. We we rode, despite how small and insular it might sound, it was just a great community of neighbors and like everybody else, I mean, my graduating class was smaller, I guess, but we had our set of friends and we hung out outside and rode and got into shenanigans like 
my own sons do to this day. So I, other than cell phones, maybe not a huge amount of, not as much difference as you would think. Mm-hmm. Cell phones are pretty new. I think a lot of people forget how new they are to society and how quickly they've changed society. Right? Yeah. I mean, what is it, 12 years since the iPhone rolled out? I want to say it was like 2008. So okay. it's hard for me to hearken back to what my life was like. Remember the Palm Pilot and the Blackberry mm-hmm. and other things that have gone yeah. by the wayside? I think it's really interesting. I think that we could be much more skillful with our technology and devices. And hopefully we're, we are veering in that direction as we see that kind of the separation and the the anonymity, perhaps. I guess that's a funny, you just, you're, you're now experiencing Sarah's non sequiturs. It's an adventure to have a conversation with me <laughs> for this reason. Let me demonstrate. I think it is interesting growing up in a small town or a small community because there really isn't much anonymity. And for many, that sounds uh, oppressive. Uh, my experience was, you know, you, you just know that your actions have impacts on others and also on yourself if because your parents are going to find out something before you even think it or do it. Um, I like that. I think despite the barriers, the the ideas that we've developed where we might be less connected, I just it, it we rely on each other in this time of the coronavirus, you know, your actions, whether you choose to to consider my safety, for instance, whether you know me or not, or as we're sitting here right now, um, whether you like me or not, whether I like you or not, we're, we're have huge impact on each other. And that is sweet to me. Um, that's something I, I rely on. And I hope that we'll sort of veer back into those human capacities instead of this kind of false notion that the world exists on the screen in front of me. Um, and that that's the real world and whatever comments that are coming from anonymous people are real or meaningful. That interests me a lot. I'm interested to know more about your thoughts on how we have a huge impact on each other. I think that's really important for everybody to understand because every thought, every action, like you said, it has an impact on yourself, mm-hmm. but also others. And how can people find that connect mm-hmm. connectedness? To understand whether you agree with somebody or not, you still have an impact on others and to, to be understanding of that. It's a beautiful question. It's it's a question I live with daily, honestly. Um, my thought about that is, you, you know, you have to spend time cultivating your ability to put your attention where you want it. You have to have a mindful and curious outlook. And that takes mental training, just like we train our bodies physically to be strong and healthy. There's a lot in the media and books being written and research being done about the need for mental fitness training too. And in in my world, that looks like uh, mindfulness practice. And it just means I try to pay attention to what's actually happening um, as often throughout every day as I possibly can, as opposed to um, what I'm making up about what's happening. So I walk in a store. Here's how, here's how I could explain it. I walk in a store and half the people are not wearing masks. And I make up a story about that. Maybe I think that that's great because they're expressing their freedom and I relate to that. And that's what, and I'm making up that story. Are they with me? Are they not with, you know, or conversely, 
they're not wearing their masks and I'm uh, threatened by that or I, I have an underlying health condition and now I'm worried they're not you know being respectful and they're out to get me. It's the same exact happenstance, right? They're, they're wearing their masks or they're not. And I'm adding on to the experience with my own narrative. So I just invite myself and everybody else to kind of back away from the narrative and just experience what's going on actually. Over time, the research is really clear about that. The more we practice paying attention to what's actually happening, as opposed to what we make up about it, that's a state of neurological rest for the brain. And it it helps us feel better, feel experience stress less. Um, For me, I guess, um, to kind of cut out all the boring geeky stuff that I just Um, bent your ear on Uh, it just it makes me aware that I feel uh, a connection and a tenderness towards people when I actually pause and pay attention to that and I think that's just wired in our DNA all of us that's just what it is to be a, a human being so true and we can all be better at there's this stigmatism with doing something for mental fitness Mm -hmm. but there's more that you can do for mental fitness than just going to see a you know a psychiatrist or psychotherapist Um, there's practices such as what you just mentioned and right now you're very involved in helping our community with mental fitness and that's with uh, becoming jackson hole correct correct and so speak a little bit more about what is becoming jackson hole and, and how that name came about Great. Um, I love the question and it makes me laugh because like everything I've done in my life that has been significant or meaningful, I'm like over the cliff before I realize what I did, which I think is great because otherwise I wouldn't probably not have the courage or the patience or anything. The The idea for this actually came about, uh, it started when I was just in my consulting business and had no desire to run for public office and wasn't thinking about it. And I actually had a client say to me at one point after a really difficult negotiation and ultimately a a good resolution, he said, you know, it got pretty Western there in the middle. I was really frustrated. I didn't think you were going to be able to write the ship. You you know, he basically was like, "Ah, I'm not confident at all. And then things, you know, turned out. And how, what's your secret? He said, how do you do that? And I'm like, uh, hmm, I have no idea. You'd think after maybe 10 or 15 years in business at the time, I would have a better elevator speech. My answer was, I don't know. Um, I got really interested in the neuroscience of problem solving and emotional intelligence. And there's a lot of great science that says if you just pay attention, um, really simple stuff like paying attention to taking three deep breaths before you answer in a stressful situation. Hmm. And I thought, wow, these things are so easy and they're free. It's like anybody who can breathe can do this. So how am I going to charge these exorbitant rates? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So now breath costs. You have college. Breath costs. That's right. (laughs) Right. But the truth is that just began. Then I, as you know, I did end up running for mayor and serving as mayor. And I, within a month, I just, I was overcome by the observation that We're surrounded by good people who really, really care about our community and the problem solving capacities are not going to get the job done. You know, we just we we couldn't connect. We couldn't converse. We couldn't trade ideas, whether it was, you know, elected officials with differing opinions, but also in the public. You know, you remember when I was in office, there was very, very divisive, you know, housing 
crises, LDRs. As I like to say, not a lot of fun meetings. I took advantage of the fact that I could call some leading neuroscientists, frankly, global experts, and say, could you help me figure it out? You know, Sarah Flitner calling, who's going to answer? But the mayor of Jackson got a few answers. <laughs> Um, I, I'm not wasn't afraid of using that, uh, and I really appreciate their generosity because they got very interested in helping envision what what would a, a community where the majority of us had these capacities. So their empathy, their critical problem solving, creativity, innovation, but just basic. I connect with you before I try to annihilate you. Mm. I see you as a human being first. I. I see a family or a business or a story that makes you human in my eyes before I go to get what I want. So, you know, that began when I was in office. We trained about, I don't know, maybe 150 people in these different curricula that people lent to us. And about a year, it took me about six or eight months after um, leaving office, after, after, what, what should I say? Um, being kicked out of office. Yeah. I don't want to make it sound like I didn't lose the election. I did lose the election, uh, which I, th- I think is interesting in and of itself. But I, I about six or eight months later realized I re- this is the work that I really want to do because at the core, we all want the same things, relevance, connection, success, safety for our families. And it's really important that we get good at these skills because we see what's at stake, whether it's the inability to overcome a pandemic and all that falls out from that, or just the ability to um, respect differing views and political persuasions and whatever else. So it's really great work and it's really important work for all of us. Thank you for coming to the mental position or place that you realized that you could um, help our community and, and help others. I'll be right back with Sarah after this quick message from the show's sponsor. When you're thinking about making a real estate decision, it's important to go with someone you can trust. Recently, I trusted Dan Vazoski at Pru Real Estate to personally handle a real estate transaction. The service and attention I received demonstrated I was important. Greg Pru started Pru Real Estate in 2002 with you, the customer, in mind. Give Greg or Dan a call, 307-733-9888, or visit pru.com. That's P-R-U-G-H.com, and be connected today. Let them know you heard about them from Stefan, the podcast guy. So becoming Jackson Hole, what is becoming Jackson Hole? We've heard the philosophical side of things. What are the actions that are being taken that Becoming Jackson Hole is doing for the community at this time? Great. Uh, So it's a fairly new nonprofit, and our mission is to develop a mindful community within a generation. So that means, you know, 50% of us plus one have the ability to engage in problem solving with empathy and focus and civility. Uh, We do that by, you might be, I hope you are um, engaging with our 100 Acts of Mindfulness. We have a really active online community and we put out blog posts and micro practices. We're doing 100 of them in a row right now. So very simple things like take three deep breaths. And I I tell people, it's sort of like doing push-ups. 
like you can figure out why what the blood vessels are doing what the muscle fibers are doing you can read about that if you want when you're doing push-ups or know about that or you can just do the push-ups and get stronger so there is such compelling evidence um, from you know neuroscientists all over the country psychologists social scientists doing research around simple practices and how they create this mental wellness this mental fitness it's there Mm-hmm. Anybody want to talk to me about it? I would talk all day long, as you might get the feeling. <laughs> or, you know, you can just do the micro practices, do the tiny practices, and and judge for yourself if, if they benefit. So um, basically through education and training, it's very simple micro practices in our online community, but we also have a rigorous training program. We are taking our second cohort this year, so we're eight or nine months old. And in October, we will begin our second cohort of intensive mindfulness training for community leaders. This is focused on health and human services. Um, We were able to get it completely underwritten. So our human service leaders and workers who are really in the trenches, educators, um, social workers, oncology care providers, you know, just think of the extra pressures that those caring people feel in, in a time where they have to deliver care via zoom and they can't use the tools that are they usually use Uh, so that's a four-week program and it's followed up by another four weeks of practice we also have a follow-on training for 10 or so people from that cohort that will then be able to provide guidance and mindfulness practice in their organizations or institutions. So again, um, sorry for you, but you know, you listen to people for a living. I'm not good at short answers. It's all right. (laughs) Um, we, We train and educate and we try to emphasize the incredible work that's being done, frankly, long before Sarah Flitner ever got to town by luminaries like Connie Kemmer and Margot Snowden and the wellness department at the hospital. All of the schools are doing really great work in social emotional learning and mindfulness training. So it's exciting. It's, you know, it's, it's not a weird thing anymore, right? There are a lot of people who are, who are leading and investigating how this can help their kids and their families and their, their organizations. Well, I, I appreciate you being so thorough. Um, people, people listen to this, not to hear my voice, but to hear the content, which is being provided by each person that I interview. So it's, it's wonderful that you're speaking and not me. So I'm going to ask another question. Um, so I can stop speaking. (laughs) I was going to say, do you have, can they like vote online right now and be like, no, throw her out. (laughs) You like listening to him. I bet you have a lot of fans. The uh, podcast, they can just turn it off, I guess. Yeah, it turned me off. Yes. Uh, so I, I love what message that you're providing and the action and how to take steps. Now, how do we help people understand or get past? How do we help people get past the touchy feely mm-hmm. thought or stigmatism that this might have or? Oh, that doesn't work, or I don't have time for this. What are you providing to help people understand this is real and it can help you if you invest in it, if you take the time? So the first thing I say to people is you, your opinion is the most important one to you. So you tell me. Um, so for listeners right now, if you're driving at, a, at the next stop sign, 
turn and just wish well to the person that you can see closest to you. Just send well wishes to the person that is closest and see if you feel better than you did last time you honked at someone when they cut you off in traffic. Just do you feel better? Forget them. Forget, you know, because um, the idea is to, to focus this internally for our own benefit. You know, it's that idea that you, you put your own mask on first, which obviously has a lot of different connotations now. But that's I'm, I'm really interested in what is going to help me do better today. And when I fly off the handle and chase after you and flip you off for cutting me off in traffic only to find out that you're on your way to visit your wife in the hospital, for instance, I don't feel great. My body doesn't feel great. It, I feel sick. To, yeah, the, yeah, that's actually happened. A, you know, an iteration of that story where I just kind of lost it with somebody because I was making up a story and only to find out, wow, I behaved in a completely inappropriate, non-empathetic way. And I was sorry and ashamed of that. That's happened more than once, obviously, in my lifetime and everyone else's. So I'm just inviting all of us, like, skip that you're not going to chase everybody down, right? And and learn their story. Skip it. Just in the present moment, do the do what will help you access calm and feel better. So it's as simple as that kind of well wishes or just 3D breaths or sensations. Like what does the steering wheel feel like in your hand? Why does that matter? It just interrupts the rumination and the narrative and the stories that you make up. All of the stories we make up tend to be catastrophizing. They're not really like, oh, I'm sitting here making up how great I am and how everybody in the world is like <laughs> thinking I'm awesome and, you know, wants to be just like me. It's it, we don't do that. So that that's it. And I also there's just an array of practices. I, I think it is worthy. Every human being is worthy of this investigation. You know, what what helps you feel better, perform better, um, extend yourself more generously to others because you benefit. And that's really important in our work. I want the individual, I want you to benefit. And why? Because I'm selfish. And if you're not a jerk, my life's going to be better if I happen to run into you. And it's back to that. We're all connected. Um, we do have an impact on each other, whether we know each other or not. Someone in a continent far away fell ill with something almost a year ago or about a year ago. And our lives are completely different after that one person fell ill with the first case of the coronavirus. Um, so there, there are lots of very real metaphors that are actual, you know, not metaphors, I guess, but actual examples of how it's just true, you know. We, we really do impact each other a lot and we can make a choice every moment of every day to steward that with integrity and with care. So yeah, is that woo-woo? Um, again, long answer, maybe. Is that a person that I want to be around? Um, someone who, who exhibits that mental balance and emotional regulation? Yeah. Is that somebody I want to hire? Is that somebody I want to work with? You bet. Mm -hmm. For sure. That's somebody I want to do my surgery or teach my kid or, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's right. Somebody you want to be driving next to on the road because they're not going to cut you off. Right. Or, yeah. yeah. Isn't it a good thing I grew up and I don't do that anymore? <laughs> 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 that you, you teach what you need to learn. That was certainly true for me because I uh, am a bit of a street fighter by nature. <laughs> it's growing up on the ranch. It is. I mean, you know, right? Yeah. Survival of the fittest. Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. Now, 
have you received some feedback from people of how the work that you're doing and providing to the community has helped them? We have. Um, we get feedback almost every day mm-hmm. uh, on the via email or on social media. But I've had phone calls. I mean, it really, um, we had just gotten our 501c3 in January. And this is a halftime effort. I do this kind of work in my consulting business too. But I figured, wow, when the virus hit and things shut down, I thought, you know, a nonprofit relies on private donations. And nobody is going to donate to a brand new nonprofit. And oh my gosh, nobody's going to want these resilience trainings that we offer in Flintner Strategies because nobody, we, they don't have money, um, probably. Well, I was wrong about that. And that was probably the biggest, most significant feedback. Right away, we got a call from a few organizations that said, help right now. What can you do right now? And that's when we, we shifted a lot of things online. Um, we were able to do things like this 100 Acts of Mindfulness that just, you know, get tiny tools um, that you can integrate through your day into people's hands right now. And, you know, obviously that kind of request says, ah, I'm, I'm, I, I am struggling too as a person, right? I need some resilience tools. And then it's just snowballed as people, surprising people will come up to me in the grocery store and just be like, I did my, your, you know, the practice today was, you know, notice your, you know, find your feet very simple. You just take them, you know, notice how your feet feel in your shoes. Again, that's just getting you in the present moment. There's nothing too fancy about it. But, you know, when the rancher comes up to me in the grocery store and says, I did that yesterday, Sarah, you know, I'm like, cool. You know, <laughs> Kids, teachers, you know, it's just designed to be accessible to all. And it just, it, it's a delight to, um, to share anything that would help anyone right now. You, you mentioned resilient strategies that Flintner Strategies practices and, and helps people with. Can you define resilience you bet. for us? So there's lots of different ways. And again, you get to be your best, your own judge. But it's really the, the rapidity with which you can recover from outside stimulus that's usually negative, right? If we need res- So how quickly can you recover from... A disappointment, a criticism, uh, a demotion in this environment, my goodness, you know, how quickly can you recover from I'm going to lose my income or I'm worried that the business model I had now is completely worthless because that rumination takes place in a certain part of your brain and it's the most primitive part. Help is on the way when you get to the prefrontal cortex and that's where innovation and problem solving happens. If you're stuck in rumination, you can't, you can't problem solve. So that recovery time, that resilience factor is aided and built on this framework of, of focusing attention, attention practice, mindfulness practice. If you think about it, like, you know, walking through the snow the first time and it's, you know, cumbersome, you're post-holing, but after a while, if after 10 kids on the playground have done it, now there's a trail Mm-hmm. The brain does that with patterns. And so we want to lay down, we want to hardwire those trails to get you to the, to where you can problem solve in the prefrontal cortex and not stay stuck in the, you know, post holing in the primitive part of the brain that really doesn't do much for you except decide, are you safe or not in the moment? Does that make sense? I It, it does. And, and it just shows that for 
us as humans to be able to be good at anything, to sh- exhibit any sort of mastery, it takes practice. Mm-hmm. And we can either practice on the negative or we can find some way to practice on the positive and be full of gratitude and mm-hmm. hope and thankfulness. Mm-hmm. Or you can be full of sour and grumpy and woe me. Absolutely. And I'd prefer the sunshine and, and mm-hmm. sweetness than the vinegar and salt. Right. I mean, vinegar yeah. and salt's good sometimes, but sure. yeah, on potato chips, on potato chips yeah. and, you know, fish and yeah. chips. Well, I love that. I love this conversation. And, you know, it's inspiring to me to to know that there are leaders like you in our community because we we do rely on each other. And I will say, you know, part of this practice is also just being with whatever is happening. You know, yes, you build the muscle that you focus on. Right. So if you're focusing on building the muscle of pessimism and criticism and you practice that and repeat that all the time, you're going to have a pretty critical outlook and you're going to find evidence for why the world sucks. So uh, it, it is important to practice gratitude and, and, and positivity. In, 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 the science is clear about that. I do want to make this distinction though, especially in a time when things truly are difficult for people and, and this is not made up stuff. Like if my rent is $2,000 and I have $200, that's a serious worry. And we're not trying to ask people to gloss over that. It's just don't add to the narrative because right now in the moment, things are usually, you know, there is there is something that can be done as long as we're not catastrophizing or judging. With You know, it's just like, okay, um, rent is due tomorrow. I don't have it. Oh my God. Oh my God. This guy, you know, I'm get, that doesn't help. Um, so and, practicing that kind of non-judgment and maybe a little bit of a bird's eye view, not because your situation isn't dire and doesn't deserve compassion, especially self-compassion, but because adding that creates more suffering and gets in the way of the brain being able to help us, you know, with its best problem solving capacities. Again, does that make sense? Certainly it does. And, and I think um, just personally adding to that it helps take it to where you acknowledge it and you're not going to shut, it's not going to shut you down because yes, your rent is due and don't shut down, but realize this is real. You have the skills to practice it and you can think through how to find a solution. Exactly. And, And not think that you're alone in it either. And, and especially right now with, COVID happening and everybody has a different perspective as far as wearing masks and shutting down the economy, et cetera, et cetera. But you're not alone. So at least have a conversation with somebody mm-hmm. about how you're feeling and, and how to work through your particular situation. Yeah. Yeah. Well put. Also, lots of great community resources. So that's mm-hmm. when we're clear of mind. I mean, 122, look what that organization has done during the pandemic. Why um, don't you share with everybody a little bit about what they have done? So under Cheryl Lund's leadership, she's the executive director. I do happen to be on the board, but the success is really the teams. Last year, they were able to to grant a couple hundred thousand dollars to families in crisis. Rent was due, health act, you know, healthcare needs. Because, as we all know, helping someone get back on their feet and be a productive part of the system is obviously much better for our community than 
uh, you know, it's sort of like preventative care for myself is less expensive than if I wait until things are really bad and show up at the ER with something really serious. So thanks to the community's rallying, the community foundation, um, Cheryl's efforts, they, they are at two, two and a half million and counting in grants, just direct assistance. You know, I think over $4 million collectively has been granted to help with rent and groceries and uh, medical bills. And that, those efforts are still underway in case anyone listening is worrying and concerned. And there are a lot of people who care and understand that, you know, we're winter's going to bring another wave, perhaps. So... There are people who are, you know, just I, I, I can envision everyone, you know, from people who work at the grocery stores who are taking that seriously and taking our their, the cleanliness of the checkout station seriously, which I notice every time I'm in one of our stores, what care. Um, there are also, you know, people who have money to give who are giving it and people with talent to share like the Community Foundation or 122 doing that. And again, boy, you you landed on the theme for the day and mm -hmm. you didn't even know how brilliant you were. It's the connection. Like we are not alone, not only in our ability to impact someone's day negatively with our own actions, but also there are people working actively to help those that they don't even know. And that's there, you know, that, that connection and that ripple, it's, it's an awesome thing. And it's a tangible thing. It's happening. There's money to help. There is talent to help. There is professional expertise to help and um, calling 122 or the community foundation. If so, like the hospital wellness department or foundation, they're also great resources. And you have some, some great resources there as well that are online and Becoming Jackson Hole, what's the website? Becomingjacksonhole.org, and that okay. is with a W. I wasn't very clever when I, but I, you know, I envision the whole community as in whole health, whole human, mm -hmm. whole, you know, like it's all of us. So it isn't the whole that is created by the beautiful mountains. It's the whole as in our wholeness. Um, I know that's, I'm going to have to show my ranch girl side and not be so flowery in our next interview. Right? Maybe both URLs are... <laughs> available and you can have both and just have a redirect um i'll have to get my people on that <laughs> um that's a good idea i i i don't know but for, for now it's becoming jacksonhole.org or flitner.net that's pretty simple to it, either one you can find us and we can connect you with resources we're active on instagram and facebook yeah and we love to we love to engage and we love to hear what's working for people and what isn't or where uh, they'd like more help or additional training. So we, we love hearing from people. And does somebody need to be a part of this community to access the resources <laughs> that Becoming Jackson Hole or Flitner Strategies has? No, no, not okay. in either case. We for definitely for the nonprofit since we're honoring donations and we so appreciate old bills because wow, we were blown away by that support. The trainings that we offer for free that are underwritten for you know we we're we are strategically going into pockets in our community that need those resources the most. Mm -hmm. Educators, social workers, you know, I mentioned that. So that those those trainings that are offered for free are only here in Jackson. But there's tons of, you know, recorded practices and hints and tips that are free to anyone who wants um, through the Becoming Jackson Hole website. And obviously in my consulting work, I'm, you know, active all over the place. World. Wherever there's a problem, I That's am right. interested. Yeah. So anybody that has a 
problem this winter who is in like the beach you're happy <laughs> you're just you should be on this the strategic <laughs> advising team i can tell you yep that's right so real quick one more time what is the website for becoming jackson hole becoming jackson hole that's w h o l e dot org and for people who are listening today one final thought from you as far as if they could do anything today to make a positive impact in just their life, which can help somebody else's life, what would you say they should do? I would offer this tool. Each time that you remember before you speak, take one deep breath. That's it. Very simple. And then be your own judge. You know, just be your own honest judge. Did it help? Did it alter what you said? Do you physically, physiologically feel more care or connection towards the person that you're about to converse with. So that's it. Just one deep breath every time you remember to do that before you speak. I just took a deep breath. I, I noticed that. I like that. You feel better? <laughs> I feel much or better. Just different? Or, I felt great to begin with, yeah. but it, I felt good afterwards. It's kind of so. hard to improve for you, right? I mean... I can always improve. <laughs> I, my wife would say I can improve yeah. plenty. Our spouses, <clears throat> all, they're the ones that we have to keep you know, locked in caves because they do know. Uh, as my sons used to tease, and this can be my final thought, when I was getting Becoming Jackson Hole going and work was busy, you know, and the, the, the boys said, Mom, this mindfulness stuff really stresses you out. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, uh-oh, that's a story I probably, yeah, don't want to get out there so much that um, trying to create a mindful community is causing me to be stressful and short with my family. Ha ha. Well, it happens every day. Well, I think it just shows that you can exercise that practice, but you're, it's not, doesn't mean that you're immune to the same emotions and thoughts in your mind. So that's why you, everybody has to keep practicing. You got it. Yeah. You just become more skillful. That's right. Yeah. Yep. That's it. Sarah, this has been spectacular. Uh, I appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Likewise, and, really appreciate you. And for what you're doing to make a better world. Thanks. You yes. too. Thank you. Yeah. Have a great day. You too. To learn more about Sarah, Flintner Strategies, or Becoming Jackson Hole, please visit the thejacksonholeconnection.com, episode number 109. Thank you, everybody, for listening today. Get out there and share this episode or previous episodes you've connected with. And many thanks to everybody who helps this go on every week. From the people that listen every week, like Jim Auger and my wife, Laura, my boys, Lewis and William, marketing director and editor, Michael Morey. Many thanks. Sure hope you've enjoyed this episode, and I look forward to seeing you back for the next episode of The Jackson Hole Connection.